0: Today's devotion is taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 38. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves for who is greater who is greater the one who is at the table or the one who serves is it not the one at the table but i am among you as one who serves you are those who have stood by me in my trials and i confer on you just as my father has conferred on me a kingdom so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom And you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. He said to them, When I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack for anything? And they said, No, not a thing. He said to them, But now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one; for I tell you, the scripture must be fulfilled in me, and he was accounted mo- among the lawless, and indeed what is written about me is being fulfilled. They said, "Lord, look, here are two swords." He replied, "It is enough." These are Jesus' final teachings, his final words to his disciples before his arrest and his death. There is nothing as a teacher that frustrates me more than getting a question about who is the greatest when you're trying to teach a class on discipleship and service. But Jesus, Jesus handles this question deftly by comparing how the Gentiles, and the Romans in particular, handle it. They lorded over the people, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. Benefactors were wealthy contributors to Roman society. They are often regarded by being awarded a gold crown. But Jesus comes as an authority, a benefactor that removes his crown and serves. When I read that I think often of our culture and how we offer gold crowns to our benefactors. Today benefactors may be seen through civic contributions by having um, uh, buildings named after uh, a contributor and um, where uh, foundations are recognized by the family benefacti- or benefactors the names of the family members who have given the money towards the foundation so we still have benefactors today we may not have gold crowns but we we name buildings and foundations and other things after them and so what jesus is saying is that that isn't how the kingdom of god works and so that's one of my little pet peeves is when i see churches name buildings after former pastors Uh, That is not the role of pastoral ministry, nor is that the purpose of church buildings. But anyhow, that's my pet peeve, and that's beside the point. Let's get back to the story here. Jesus comes as an authority, as a benefactor that removes his crown, and he serves the people. He serves his disciples. And when you follow Jesus... You will receive a kingdom, he says, so that you may eat and drink at Jesus' table with him in the kingdom, in his kingdom. But your kingdom will not be an earthly kingdom. Your acts of benefiting, or benefiting will be spiritual benefiting. And so you're, you will be a benefactor, but you will be a spiritual benefactor. You will have a kingdom kingdom but your kingdom will be a spiritual kingdom. That is what he is telling his disciples. Jesus then addresses Peter and the other disciples directly. At first he is speaking to all 12. Satan has, given, has been given an opportunity to sift all of you, as you is plural here, all of you like wheat. And Jesus has prayed for all of them, all of the 12, that their faith may not fail them, Jesus then says, and once you have turned back, meaning to turn around from your ways, your ideas, your mission, to turn back means to turn back to God's ways, God's mission, God's purpose. Once you have turned back, he says to Peter, strengthen your brothers. These days are going to be difficult. You will need one another. Satan will test each one of them, but especially Peter. Instead of listening to Jesus addressing the whole cohort, Peter answers for himself. After all, he is pretty great, if he is not the greatest, but you know, maybe he is also the greatest. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and even to death, Peter says. But Jesus, at this point, individually speaks to Peter, the greatest, explaining how he will become the weakest. The cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you even know me. Jesus' words, once you have turned back, once you have repented, take on special meaning in the context of Jesus address to Peter. In Luke chapters 9 and 10, when Jesus sent the disciples out on mission, they were not to take with them anything on their journey. No, No bag, no money, no food, no extra clothing. But they were to rely on the hospitality of strangers. But these times will require a different preparation, Jesus says. He allows them to bring a purse, a bag, even a sword, two swords, but no more than that, so that Isaiah 53, verse 12, can be fulfilled. Isaiah writes, as he records what he has spoken from the word of God, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier, speaking of the Messiah because he exposed himself to death he was counted among the rebels but he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels so jesus was counted as a zealot as a rebellious um, member of the roman society and he put to death for that reason he was counted among the rebels but he didn't die because he was a rebel a zealot He died so that he could bear the sins of many and even to intercede for the zealots and for the rebels. Jesus is not planning a revolt. He is not a zealot. He is not planning a revolt, revolt especially, we can say, if he only has two swords. Jesus is allowing God's divine plan to come to fulfillment. On God's terms so a few questions for you to think about today thinking of those words that Jesus says about turning back I think those are really powerful words because those are the words that we refer to Judas as not being able to turn back but the others will be able to turn back. And so what is God directing you to turn back from today? And what is God saying to you? What should you do about it? When we get into our next portion of the reading, we will go with Jesus to the Mount of Olives, the place where he went to pray. So my last question is to be thinking a bit ahead here about where is your spiritual mount of olives where is your place to pray where what is the time that you set aside to pray i pray that god will will guide you and uh, give you uh, many blessings as you reflect upon this devotion today and i pray that god will bless your day